0: Welcome to another episode of flamenco attitude this is a podcast that brings you all things flamenco and if you're a returning listener you know by now that we don't shy away from covering any topics regarding the culture we have talked about for example the great artists in the genre from the 30s the 40s and the 70s we've actually covered whole chapters dedicated to particular artists like Paco de Lucia, our most popular uh, episode to date. And we have talked about flamenco books as well, flamenco furniture, and uh, moving forward we'll be covering many, many more topics that will be interesting for you as well. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I uh, would like to say a special thanks to our listeners in Slovenia and Thailand. Thank you so much for listening, thank you so much for being there and returning uh, every single time. The figures are looking great from for your parts of the world and um, we're so happy we can reach you, actually. So once again, thank you so, so much. Well, it's back to school in England and I suppose in other countries. So we decided that today we're going to do, we're going to draw a portrait of the teacher's teacher. So Marcus is my teacher, but who was Marcus's Marcus? Who taught him flamenco the way flamenco is taught and who actually got him this who ignited the passion in him for the culture. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, Pepe Martinez, flamenco guitarist, and I suppose Marcos has a lot, a lot of stories that will be interesting for you. So without any further ado, let's go back to school. This is a portrait of a teacher.
1: It's great that you said school because um, before I met Pepe, I had my first teacher, uh, Tony Clinton, in london a wonderful guitar player and teacher and i was at school then yeah Uh, i mean i was only uh, 10 or 11 and um, i used to go every sunday to have a lesson with with him and he taught me wonderful wonderful ways of, of the flamenco and the flamenco is very difficult and you know i used to do a Uh, a paper round. I used to have to do mass as as an altar boy and all of these things, and then learn my flamenco and come home. But uh, later on, as you said, I I, I went... I I didn't live in Oxford in these times, but I I came to Oxford. I was invited by, by somebody to come to a concert of Pepe Martinez, who's one of the great players. From Seville, uh, he's uh, he played for all the great artists: Lanini, Lopetegui, Juanito Valderrama. Baral- uh, you name it. He, he, I mean, he's made he made about. Uh, apart from his solo records, you can't believe this. He made about two hundred records yeah. with singers. I mean, it, it's it's just in, incredible. So this this is him as an artist. Is him mm-hmm. as an artist. So I I didn't know him and I came on a very cold uh, foggy day to Oxford to the University to the, the Holywell music room and which is you, a
0: wonderful place we've wonderful been there place. on a few occasions yeah could yes. recommend if you ever come to Oxford wherever you are in the world yeah. if you ever come to Oxford and you're after a real I would say more class on the classical type musical experience the Hollywell music room is for you
1: yeah it's it. I, I, it's funny you, you say this because um, there's some cuttings over there on on the thing there, and I've just been because on we, Lolo's fish bar. On Lolo's <laughs> bar. And, yeah. and they're talking about when when I played there in in, in the seventies, and we had hundreds of people there, and, and the the journalist has gone and said they they need to get a much bigger venue. <laughs> like, you know, and
0: the Hollywood Music Room is not massive.
1: No. Yeah. But getting back to Pepe, so I I arrive there and he um he's there in his typical way, getting ready. And it's like what's happened to me throughout my life. He suddenly says, Ah, uh, you're you're a flamenco.
0: Which means that actually even before Pepe Martinez you yeah. already had this in you that you want to be an artist. Yeah. Um, Then why do you refer to him as your teacher, given that you had other teachers before that?
1: Well, no, I mean, I would always say that... um, Is he the teacher? Tony Clinton is uh, the most important person because he gave me all the skills, you know, and he was a brilliant teacher because he showed you all the different... Rhythms, you know. Every week you'd learn a different rhythm, and and you'd have to get on top of it. And I've got some brilliant photographs where he used to say, "Well, it's Christmas time. We must play a concert uh, for your for your mother to show you how how far you're getting." We'll do duets, Mm -hmm. and eventually we went to the Edinburgh Festival together and played duets. Now Pepe Martinez is a totally different. Person, because I know you're going to say he doesn't teach, uh, or didn't teach in the normal way.
0: And we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just keep it for now, because yeah. it, this is a chapter in itself. But meeting him was it, uh, was it something that you planned or did it just happen? No,
1: I didn't plan. I, you know, I didn't expect to be picked out in the crowd.
0: Because you're, you're still very young. But when you were younger, you go there with your uh, guitar. <laughs> And no, I didn't have a guitar. You didn't no, even no, have no, a guitar? No, just sat so in, how did he I think just, that you are the... Obviously,
1: they look at the hands, they see yeah. the nails, they see the maybe the face, the hair, whatever. Of an artist. Yeah, and just say, <laughs> oh, oh, you you, you need to come to Savija and uh, start studying with me. And that was what he said. And uh, it was a bitterly cold night, and I, I went back home, and I thought about this, and... In fact, it didn't happen till many years later. Uh, I couldn't do it immediately at at that time, you
0: know. Was that your first, very first visit to uh, Seville then, or Spain in general?
1: Yeah, well, I didn't, yes, because this was in Oxford, but then it it was my first visit, yes, uh, when I went there. uh, (laughs) I mean, I, I went there with a great colleague from the university oxford university guitar society the, the the president he said well i'd like to come out with you and he was a great ragtime or he is a great mm-hmm. ragtime player and, and steel string guitar player he said i just want to watch the process of everything yeah and what you like is we 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 arrived and we had accommodation And uh, the first thing that happened before going for a lesson for him, I I went to have a shave, and there was this bowl, and it just collapsed onto the floor and smashed. So I said to my companion, "Mm, "Do you think we should mention this?"
0: One of those ceramic bowls, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) smashed to pieces. Yes. Salt. Yes. Oh, oh, sorry, something (laughs) fell
1: here
0: as well. Yeah. So what? What? What happened? (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, you know, the, we, I, I just uh, told the man what's happened and he, he, was, he said, fair enough, it's, uh, we'll sort it out. So I presume you want to know from this how the lessons go. Well,
0: that's, that's, that's quite a beginning, that's quite an <laughs> opener. So, yeah, uh, you already touched upon that the lessons weren't uh, typical lessons. Yeah. So how did the lesson go? How did he teach you?
1: Okay. Well, what,
0: you already way, have knowledge of the guitar. Yeah. You have a guitar. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. So the way it worked is you you arrived at his flat in, in near the Grand Plaza in in Sevilla. and the first thing he would want to do is uh, <laughs> give you some food. I'm already uh, laughing because I know
0: some of these things. Yeah.
1: Because you think oh, oh oh I thought I was going to no 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 you, here, here have some papa and whatever and it's coming out like and he's cooking away in the kitchen, and then he'll say to you, well, uh, what do you want to learn? Well, uh, here, okay. So you quickly get the guitar, and then he goes straight back into the kitchen. You're thinking, so, that's not nearly good enough. No. So you try to then memorize... How
0: do you replicate that? Yeah,
1: then you do it, and you do it wrongly. No. Yes, of course, and you hear it's you from the kitchen with, with, with... Pots and pans. With, with the pans yeah. going, no, no, no. Right? Yeah? And then you you gradually start to get it right.
0: Yeah, but didn't you suggest to him that this is not the proper way? <laughs> uh,
1: no. He's Why? not the kind of man that you could uh, suggest that to.
0: Well, what a little diversion there. What kind of... A, how would you describe his character? What kind of a man was he as oh, a Oh, I
1: mean, avuncular, uh, in, incredible. He had... Uh, I mean, if you imagine when he used to come to England, if you took him to a pub or a restaurant, the first thing he would do is walk straight into the kitchen and say hello, my friend, and see how <laughs> to, to, to to see how it was going. Well, we was cooking. He wanted <laughs> yeah, and people didn't know what to do, you know, because you got this well, wonder, wonderful man that arrives with this little hat on and says, "Hello, I'm Pepe Martini, coming for." And they think, well, you know, oh, you're cooking it. Oh yes, no, not yes, it's good, it's good, you know. And that's how he did it. So I, I said to my friend uh, Roy. Or he said to me, he said, right, this is going to be quite tricky, these lessons. What we're going to have to do is try and memorise as much as we can between the two of us. Get back to, to the flat, get some paper out and try and score this down from memory. Then we'll work on it. Then when we go back tomorrow, we'll find out whether we've got it right or not. But isn't
0: that too complicated? I mean, I think the easier way would be he just sits down, shows you, you do it, you do it again. Don't you think so? No. (laughs) Okay. Everything you do is in a very
1: difficult way. He did have proper uh, paper, cif- cifras and stuff like that for, for one of the major pieces. But if you wanted to learn hardcore flamenco, that's how it's done. So he, he just shows you it probably only once, and you've got to try and, and learn it straight off. I mean, in a way, it served me well, because uh, that's probably the way that many people have learned f- flamenco. You know, all the greats have, have learned in that way. You know, they don't have formal lessons with books and stuff like that. They just learn the 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 licks from somebody showing them something, and then they think, oh right, I wonder if I've got that right. And yeah, you know, that's the way it's done.
0: Yeah.
1: So in a way, it was an incredible experience. Uh, uh, the great thing about it was that. For the whole two weeks that we were there, you know, we got wonderful food every day. Yeah, (laughs)
0: because he's a cook as well. (laughs) He's a
1: cook and he's, you know, he, he was just cooking away, playing away, just coming in every so often. And that was my introduction to another type of flamenco.
0: Well, he reminds me of you when I started, you know, learning stuff from you because you always do things in between other things, so that's where you got the, you know, the knack for it, and that's how I learned various things from you as well, as a teacher. I think it's working out fine. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's more robust way, I guess.
1: I, I've, um, you know, I've had people come to me and they want lessons and everything and then they say, I say, well, what is it you want to learn? And they say, uh, oh, bulleria." And you go, well, hang on a minute, you know, let's See where we are, because you're trying to get at the top end before so to you've started at the uh, at a you know more logical level.
0: Yeah, to put it into perspective, is is with any instrument, I guess you yeah. you don't just I guess rock up and say I want to start
1: playing X. You start well, to have to. The, the funny thing is, gallia people do actually believe yeah. this. They don't realize that you can't do that. You know, you imagine Pepe. We're talking about a man who, in the 1920s, he was born and he was walking around where you were, where where the Cortinale is, in, in the middle of Seville, in the Campana, listening as a young child to all the greats. He was taught by Ramon Montoya, one of the greatest ever guitarists that started the whole idea of the solo guitar. Yeah, so you don't just. Yeah, pick this up, you know, you have, you, you, you get this from the greats and you and you learn and you go stages and stages and stages, whereas you do get people now that go, oh, I want to learn, you know, the tangos, so I want to do this. And you say, well, hang on a minute, how much do you know about flamenco? I
0: mean, th- this is exactly, so for our listeners, wherever you are in the world, this will apply to everybody. Yeah. Imagine somebody walking up to you, whatever your language is, and says, I would like you to teach me your language. And you say, okay, what would you, how would you like to do it? Yeah. And wherever you are in the world, they reply to you, I want to uh, be able to learn your most difficult book ever of your author. Yeah. So this is whether you are in Japan, whether you are
1: yeah.
0: in Spain and France. Imagine somebody walking up to you and says, I want you to teach me how to read the most difficult book in your language that's the thing you it's don't know the yeah you don't know the alphabet you don't know basic no. words how is it going to happen no.
1: so it's all about stages um now something you're going to love about
0: well he's an interesting man isn't he
1: well yes
0: this is where it's because he's also eccentric
1: are we going to talk about cigars then? yes <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: um, apologies to anybody out there who doesn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Including myself included, I've never smoked, but I would enjoy this story, I think.
1: Uh, uh, Pepe loved his cigars, but he was very interesting because one of the most luxurious cigars that you can get from Cuba is Monte Cristo, it's, it's the number one cigar.
0: Hello to our Cuban audience. <laughs> yeah.
1: But he would only decide to have two a day of those and the rest would be uh, Spanish cigars, farias and different ones, because he said you've got to appreciate things, so you have to have, and also he would smoke these cigarettes, which I've still got packets of, that when you buy them, idealis, they're not even rolled, so you have to pull it out of the packet and roll it and put it together. Am I making sense to you?
0: I've seen how it's done. I've seen how it's
1: done. You've seen that? Yeah. So in a concert, and you're going to say, well, hang on, how was he allowed to?
0: (laughs) That was pre the (laughs) 2000s, let's call it, because I think from 2000 onwards, in a lot of places in the world uh, smoking, especially Europe, smoking was kind of a no in a a covered space. So
1: So he'd say, uh, from my place, Sevillana. In goes the cigar.
0: Starts playing. Starts
1: playing, and you would watch this cigar. And the wonderful thing about it is, you'd see that the ash. ash getting lower and lower and lower. And you're thinking, you weren't concentrating on the on the music. You're thinking,
0: the ash is going to. When drop. is
1: that ash going to drop? <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's one of the one of the great things about Pepe that he did that. Um, another one. Uh, The BBC made an amazing film about him, and in this film he says, well, England is wonderful because you can get good pyjamas, pyjama, the best pyjama. And he actually used to go some days to the main post office in Seville in his pyjamas to post some letters. Why not? Do you like that? I mean,
0: do you know what? I think we understand it. I think we've all been Pepe Martinez because um, during the pandemic, nobody cares what you're dressed in. So I think a lot of us have been Pepe Martinez at some point and just going out with your pajamas to the local shop or something. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. Or uh, he liked to pay for everything in cash. Now, here's something, well, I think you're going to say, no, I'm not used to that.
0: No, I'm not used to that. (laughs) I
1: I went with him to a garage to get his new car. And he said, have you got my car? Yes, well, no, "Yes, all good. So he then wanted to pay for everything in cash. So the garage were like, I'm going to have to count this. But the great thing was in those days that even garages had bars so he's just said to me, come on, Marcos, we'll we just have a, have a, una cana, a beer mm. while, while they carry on the counting of everything. You know? And that's the way he operated, cash.
0: Yeah, I must admit that this is something I used to witness only when I was a little girl. Again, yeah. past the 2000s, cash became, uh, an, an, an I don't know. It just doesn't happen, does it? it, it in such large yeah, quantities. interesting. Yeah.
1: So if, if it, I mean, he was a wonderful man. If he was alive today, do you think he'd find it quite difficult? Because, like, we've seemed to have moved yeah. on from cash.
0: Yeah. When did he pass away?
1: Oh, in the 80s. Yeah. Think, yeah. Um, but you know, if you he was
0: very much a man of the era then.
1: He was, and he, and if you think he he had a kind of a a way of um, wanting to come to. England every autumn. That was his way. Come through France and then come to to England to play concerts on particular days throughout the whole of England. That, that was a big thing for him.
0: Does France appreciate flamenco music, oh, which yes. I think it does. Very much uh, You've talked to me about, I think, the south of France. And yeah. our audience, our listeners, welcome to write to us, uh, gmail.com. Obviously, tell us if we're getting this right. I mean, I, am, I would never say that I am, you know, nearly as knowledgeable as Marcus, if at all. But in that part of the world, they do appreciate
1: a good... Yeah, I mean, if you think about the, the the big concerts that's that's happened in France, uh, Camarón in Paris, you know, the, it, yeah. I mean, he sold, you're talking about 10,000, 12,000 people. He went know. to
0: Switzerland.
1: Yeah. All of these different, yeah. He played in the jazz festival there, all of, all of this stuff. So yes, in France, it's a big afficion for, for the flamenco, no doubt about it. Yeah. And then, of course, as you say, in in the South, We've got the tradition of the Roomba with the Gypsy Kings and, and, and things like that. So, yes, there is a great thing. And Pepe always, on his way back, uh, did a few concerts in France. You know, just to, just to spice to, things up. Just yeah. to top up the, the, the things. So, <clears throat> I mean, a great thing I want to tell you about is we, we, we've never talked about flamenco and football. We will. But we will now, okay.
0: But But just a small, just give me a small story and then we'll discuss it okay. in large in another okay.
1: episode. Well, 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 Seville has two football clubs, Real Beti and Sevilla.
0: I've been in uh, the was, was it like the fan house of one of them when we went?
1: Yeah, you, yeah. the green. Yeah, yeah. you've been in, you've been in one of the painters.
0: Unfortunately, you didn't let me at the back room. Remember, because there was a back room.
1: Oh, they it was all locked up, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't open it for me. No, that's the oldest club of of the betis uh, in Sevilla. Yeah, we were in Santa Maria La Blanca. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Very good. I didn't
0: didn't forget because you didn't uh, kind of talk the people into letting me in
1: there. No. Well, I've got a wonderful picture of me in when I was let into that Mm. bit. Anyway, Pepe was obviously a Betis fan. And um, (laughs) because he was quite a big personality, he got invited to play for a Sevilla event so it's an event for Seville football club so what he did he went with his guitar and he always specified to this maker that he wanted green lining in the case yeah so he goes to this club which is obviously the red and opens up, and he's got his little Betty's thing, and the lining is green, which he really enjoyed, even though he was being paid to to give a concert f- for the the other side. Let's yeah. put it that way.
0: Well, see, this is the thing. B- football is very tribal. I don't under- I'm not really a football fan, so I don't get it. But I do understand that people really, you know, the, the big fans really associate themselves with the club and everything. So. Um, apologies to all of you, Seville club fans out there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, so, but which which is the bigger one? Actually, it's, is it the Seville?
1: Well, you see, if I sense anything on this, it will get me into difficulty. Okay. So, I, I, we going, remain. I, I'm yeah. not going to comment. We on will. That.
0: We will remain completely neutral on the mat.
1: But I will say one thing: um, when you went down the road to the the Cortinale in the Campana, I showed you this building, wonderful building on the right-hand side, where all the flamenco people used to live. And it said, 1935, when Betis won the league. (laughs) (laughs) Now, isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. You know, because people say to me, well, what's happened with Betis? I say, well, what's the problem? We we won the league in 1935.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was that when you won, like, that's it, full stop, or...?
1: Yeah, they won, they won the whole league, yeah, in 1930. And since then? Nothing, no. Okay. Well, no, they've, they've, they've won the King's Cup and, and a few little things, you know. Well, that's But it, it doesn't matter, because the, the flamenco and, and the betis is, is very joined. Yeah. So, you know.
0: Well, again, we just love to bring you these little stories, and uh, we're not trying to yeah. necessarily link ourselves into anything right now. We just want to bring it that, because it's it was a big part of Pepe's life now. I have read your book. Marcos has a book on Cameron And one thing that l- literally did strike me is when Marcos had to kind of kind of secretly, Buy condoms. I mean, he, he is not a man who would like easily. You you won't convince him to do that. But you had to on a few occasions, didn't you? Well, yeah, now yeah. why was buying condoms such a big
1: thing? Okay, we're we're back to Pepe Martini.
0: We're back to. Pe- of course, this is a whole episode dedicated
1: to him. Okay, he read that in England, they brought out these condoms called Fiesta. Fiesta. And but in England? That, yes, and that okay. they were in, in different colours.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we love a different coloured condom, yeah.
1: So he said to me, you have to get me a packet of these.
0: Did he have a particular colour that he wanted <laughs> to
1: go for? I don't know. So I'm thinking, oh God, you know, so um, I've never bought anything like this myself, so I go and get these. And I land at Seville Airport and already he's shouting, like, have you, have you got them, you know? because so I thought it would be quite a private thing. And then he immediately got them and took them out and started showing everybody these. <laughs> he was just totally fascinated that, that there could be such a thing. In, in, you know?
0: I am pretty sure that the condoms weren't a novelty thing in the 80s, of uh, 70s even, I don't think so.
1: Mm, well, why
0: was he so fascinated?
1: By... Well, he couldn't believe that a company brought them out in different colours.
0: Oh, colours! And called them Fiesta. Fiesta is a good name for a condom. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still exist? I
1: don't know. I don't know. Why he's, uh, <laughs> it, it took me by surprise because I thought he'd want to put them just in his bag, and but he didn't. He wanted to get it. He was demanding me to get them straight out. To show everybody. To
0: show them, but surely people knew that they existed. Okay. Uh, Another interesting one is toilet paper.
1: Oh.
0: We're talking about condoms and toilet paper.
1: Okay. How do we get to this into a flamenco podcast?
0: And would would you would you ever be able to tell stories about your teacher, whatever you're studying, and involve condoms and toilet paper?
1: No, I mean, Pepe used to come by car. And then go back by car, obviously. And there were certain things that he needed to buy. There was chocolates for his daughters and certain things that he felt were only good from England and all the rest of it. And he d- he wasn't a fan of the Spanish uh, toilet paper.
0: Why? Wasn't it soft enough or <laughs> absorbent enough? I don't know. No, it was, was it the wrong color,
1: Marcos? Very, very hard. Very rough. So no. he would put on his car hundreds of rolls of toilet paper. Do we have a name for the
0: toilet paper? Because obviously we had oh, Fiesta I, for the I, condoms. I,
1: I can't remember what that was yeah. called. So imagine, he's going through the border, the, the Spanish border, and this car's loaded up. So the, the guard says to him, well, what on earth is this? And he says, well, it, it, it's toilet paper. And and so well, you know... What's why are you doing? Why are you importing this ridiculous quantity of, of, of English toilet paper? So Pepe, in one of his classic moments, pulled out a roll, handed it to the guard, and said, "Go and try it, and you'll see why." Try it
0: right <laughs> now! Oh my God!
1: <laughs> and that really sums up the man, does it not? I mean, this is just...
0: Uh, here's a little anecdote. We we actually lived through it, didn't we? Yeah. I'm not sure whether this happened everywhere, but in England, there was quite a shortage of toilet paper in the shops <laughs> during the first months of the pandemic. And I think in the United States, I, I can't vouch for everywhere in the world, but yeah. we had quite a shortage. So I think Pepe Martins was ahead of time. He wanted to be stocked.
1: He, <laughs> you know? he certainly didn't like the uh, Spanish toilet paper of that era and felt that this yeah. was better.
0: We, we do hope that Spain now has a better toilet paper. Well,
1: I, I mean, um, the other thing was that he it was very funny about me uh, going to festivals. Why so? Or going to Moron. He never wanted me to go to Moron. I don't know. But then when I went to these different festivals, he would then say to me, <clears throat> right, you make sure you come back, I'll have a nice cognac for you, and you give me full report.
0: Yeah, but he, he, do you think he didn't like the crowds, the attention, the hassle? Of... I
1: don't know, you know, but, it, but he so, and you mustn't go, you mustn't go. And then you say, oh, well, if you are going, make sure you come back and tell me all about it, you know? Hmm he say you, you won't learn anything from this
0: because I think if let's say we were in this situation, you would actually encourage me to go to an event and get some uh, whatever I'm doing, you know. And yeah, but uh, and I think you would come with me. To be honest, I think you would accompany your yeah. student uh, as you've always done with. By the way, Marcus has learned fantastic ways of teaching, and I, I guess a lot of them through your teacher as well because you're very personable, and I guess he was a very personable sort of teacher,
1: oh, Do you yeah. agree? It's, uh, you know, I've got so many great memories of him, going to see him uh, play at, at different universities, we played together, um, you know, he had, his technique yeah. was unbelievable. You know, and he had these very, very small fingers, and he could play like you—you you, you couldn't believe it. Uh, and you used to think, how does he do it with such small fingers? At beautiful sound, um, always played the best guitars and things like that. I mean, you know, he was responsible for helping uh, the number one maker of guitars, sadly now gone, Mamorez. Of course, he said he helped him get into the guitar making business, so he was involved all the time. Uh, and I'll end up with with a little story about Pepe because he uh, was involved with all the greats, and one of the reasons is that he had a bank account you know this is in the time when nobody could get a bank account and so if they were going to be paid by check there was no way that they could get you know get the money so Pepe said no no i can sort it all out and so he was able to facilitate the the money for for the flamenco artist in the company because of of his status
0: yeah what was the um kind of the hardest lesson that you had to learn from him it could be a particular style or something or something connected to the artistry the
1: culture well i mean there were some pieces that he, he 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 taught me which were extremely difficult uh, And i'm thinking about a piece by uh, esteban sanluca uh, I think it's uh, Malagena Horizonte something like that. I can't remember exact title. And um, he said, No, 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 no. See, see, no, no, see. And to get the flow of this was very, very difficult. And he was extremely demanding.
0: Not an easy teacher to kind of.
1: Well, the only the only way you knew you were doing okay was when he didn't shout at you and say no.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll probably end up onto this because you will probably get really emotional, but I promised myself I'll ask you this question. And I'll stop it, don't cry before I even asked you. Um, what if, if you could meet him again now, uh, how would you say thank you to him, your thank you message to your teacher?
1: Well, I'll just say, you know, thank you for the wonderful memories when you took me to the Alameda, uh, when you showed me... Uh, uh, in a way that probably nobody else could do because if you were born there in the 20s and he, he takes you around in his little car when he walks you through the streets when he then sits you down and and actually not teaches you but plays a, a piece just for you to show what he can do that's, a, that's a, an experience that can never be repeated and then you know I look at my album collection and I look at all of those records that he did and you just think that's an incredible body of work.
0: I hope you enjoyed our back-to-school special edition of Flamenco Attitude where we talked about the teacher's teacher, uh, namely Pepe Martinez, who is one of the great influences on Marcus's life as a guitarist, as a flamenco guitarist, uh, and somebody who's actually enriched his life uh, in many ways beyond only guitar playing. And um, do you know what? We hope that if you are studying flamenco, you have somebody like this in your um, life, or indeed whatever you're studying we hope that you have such a role model because I think teachers and Marcos will join me on this as well teachers are extremely important as an influence So this is our little reminder to look up to your teachers and respect your teachers and try to uh, be your own person, but also follow their advice. It's invaluable. Uh, A little reminder that uh, our Q&A session is on the 25th of September. So we would say, please send us your questions and comments by september 22nd uh, we will record on september 23rd and 25th we'll actually upload our episode you can get in touch with us at flamenco Pod on twitter or you can email us culturepodcasts at gmail.com uh, if you want to use the email as well until the next time whether you listen to play or learn about flamenco remember to always follow the beat